welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited for you guys to meet Scott Stabile. He is the author of Big Love. His inspirational posts and videos have attracted a huge devoted social media following of 350,000 people on Facebook. And he's a regular contributor to the Huffington Post. He lives in Michigan and conducts personal empowerment workshops around the world. And this conversation only got better and better and better. So you guys, his story is so impactful, so shocking, and so moving to see somebody who went through what he went through, the trauma and the loss, and come through on the other side in such a beautiful way. You don't want to miss all of the different tools and modalities and all of the wisdom that he shares in this podcast. So make sure you stay till the end because I really feel like we crack open right in the middle of the podcast. So I can't wait for you to listen to this conversation and access these incredible tools and even learn how to do some of the breath work that we are talking about throughout the podcast that we felt like had given us such profound visions and visuals for our life. So let's get started. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to have you on. Oh, thank you for having me, Lori. I'm really excited to be here. Mm, I was just researching and looking through all your stuff. And I've had your book actually floating around my house for a while. And I've been picking it up and kind of thumbing through it. And I'm so, I'm just so touched by your story that I would love for anyone who has not heard it yet, just for you to tell us a bit about where um, your story started, where you came from and how you started doing what you are sharing now. Sure. Okay. Um, well, I mean, my my story started a long, long time ago. No, it, I mean, when I the the thing I think you're referring to, or one of the things, is is that when I was 14 years old, my parents were murdered. They were shot to death, and that was obviously uh, an incredibly life-altering um, experience and and traumatic experience. And I. I mean, what I'm doing now, and then I'll jump back to that. I mean, what I'm doing now in my life is really just trying to make noise for love and spread the message of love and encourage people to, as often as possible, operate from the energy of love, which is, for me, you know, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, authenticity, all of those things are mandates of love. And I found in my life over and over and over again that when I'm operating from that energy and from that place, that I'm not only serving myself, but I'm serving everyone in my life powerfully and positively, and I'm serving the world powerfully and positively. Um, You know, at 14, I wasn't 
I wasn't connected to that idea of thinking. And when I lost my parents, it was basically just a, you know, a horrific shock and just trying to survive it. And I think at the time, I um, I really buried it. And I'm I'm grateful. You know, I write in, in my book, Big Love, the first chapter is called Dig, and it's all about basically not burying our pain and being honest with, you know, our pain and our darkness and our experiences, because I believe only when we look at our experiences and ourselves, honestly, do we have a shot at healing whatever's going on, you know, but as a 14 year old, Mm. I, I wasn't prepared to do that or didn't have any sort of consciousness around it. So for several years, I just put aside the fact that my parents died. I made it a big secret. I never talked about them. I, I never, I would cry once a year and then go back to just burying it again and moving on with my life. And it served me well. I was a good student, went to a good college and, you know, had lots of friends. But it wasn't until I was in my 20s and had just moved to San Francisco and was just kind of being introduced to the whole world of personal development and self-help and some called it new age, whatever they were calling it at the time in the 90s, that I started to see that the secret I had created around losing my parents and, and my unwillingness to really to really to really face it, you know, to really cry about it and rage about it, that that all of this had also created the basically I'd put up a big wall mm. and it, it all I had also put up a wall to connections with other people. You know, and that was a lesson I really learned that we can't ultimately be selective when we put up a wall energetically we can't just decide we're going to let the light in but keep all the darkness out that's not how energy works Mm -hmm. you know if your walls up your walls up and your walls up to everything on some level and conversely and beautifully that if you're open you know and and alive in your compassion and your love you're open to everything Mm -hmm. you know and you invite so much more possibility into your life I feel like I've been gapped. I'll, I'll leave it at that for now because mm. I've been talking for a while. Uh, so what did that, what in the, how in the world did that look for you when you were at that point where that wall was probably so high and so thick and you had to start uh, taking it down, realizing that you were blocking yourself from everything else? How, I, what was even the turning point for you to really observe that you were um, you know, isolating and feeling lonely and you weren't dealing with it. Was there a point where you decided that this just was not serving you anymore? You know, I think a few things were happening at the same time. I got a job at this, um, this gift store, this world gift store that had an amazing book section and the books were all, um, you know, all self-help metaphysical holistic type books. And, and I'd never really, I was around 23, 24 at the time and had never really, considered that world and had never really read people who were writing about love as the guiding force in your life and who were talking about enlightenment. You know, these concepts were pretty new to me, but they resonated. You know, when you find something, you're just mm-hmm. being introduced to something, but it feels like you're coming home. Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. that that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. what it was like. It was mm-hmm. just like, this makes sense to me. So that was happening. I was developing these new friendships at the same time with people who were really wanting to go deep in their conversations, go get beyond the surface. And it was all kind of congealing around this, this understanding that, hey, love is the guiding force in my life makes sense to me. At the time, enlightenment became a big goal, which is no longer a goal in my life, but it became a big goal. And I, and I came to see that 
unless we're honest about what we're experiencing in the world and unless we're willing to sit in the uncomfortable feelings and feel you know there's really no potential for healing mm. you know mm. and and so all of that was happening at the same time and i and i was able to see more clearly how my unwillingness to sit in the uncomfortable feelings of the loss of my parents and the anger and sadness I felt about it and the, the sadness I felt about my relationship with them before they died. You know, my unwillingness to just look at that was, was creating, was preventing me from moving forward as openly as I could and, and creating the deepest possible connections with other people that I could. Does oh, that answer your question? Yes. Yes. And there's so much there. So I know so many people listening are probably number one, just overwhelmed by the idea that someone can even move past and move past what happened to you and be writing about love, like be writing about teaching how people can come from love and everything that they do. So what I really want to talk about is that for everyone listening, they have that thing that they don't want to go back to or don't want to sit with because it's just too painful. And a lot of times, you know, in my life, I know I've had moments where I'm like, you know, that was in the past and I've just moved on and I don't want to go back there and I don't want to think about it. And, and can't we just skip this part? But yet, you know, it's absolutely, it's coming up in your life in so many different ways that you don't realize. So for you, what did that space look like when you had to go back and heal and forgive and let go of the guilt and let go of the shame? Cause people might be hearing it right now, but they don't actually understand how to go back and feel it or find a safe space to be held, to move through that. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point and a great question. And I think, you know, I think it can look like many different things for me, what it looked like one was writing because, and I don't even mean writing things for other people to read. I mean like getting into my journal and using writing as a tool for processing. I think writing honestly is for, is one of the most powerful tools we have to process what we're going through because what I found so often in writing is that where I start on the page, whatever subject I'm wanting to, to look at or explore in myself, I, I end up with new discoveries that I don't think I would have gotten to had I just been kind of thinking about it in my head. There's something that happens in writing, in the energy of writing, that, that we find our place and we find our way through different paths and different discoveries that we might not have found otherwise. Um, conversations with with people close to me in my life where I was more willing to talk about my parents. You know, for me, really what it what it looked like was just being present with what I'd been through in my life, you know, mm -hmm. instead of pretending it didn't happen. I mean, when I tell you I avoided it, I was a master, like, chess player. If a conversation was in any way could potentially lead talking about family, I would manipulate that conversation so it went nowhere near family so that people couldn't ask me about my family, which would ultimately lead them to asking me about my parents. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I I lived in, in such a state of, like, heightened awareness um, to just prevent people from knowing because when you tell people your parents are, are dead, that's one thing. As a, for, as a teenager, it, it was not the norm. And then when you tell them they're murdered, it's like people don't know how to process that information. Mm. And I didn't know how to process their reaction to that information. Mm. You know, like their, their overwhelmed responses would overwhelm me. Mm. And so I just, I did everything I could to prevent it from happening. So you know, in my 20s, when I was starting to, to grieve in a different way, it was really just about like, 
sitting with the experience, writing about the experience, talking about the experience, reading books, you know, that, that talked about different things and being, you know, just really what I found in, in my life, when you're ready to grow and heal and you're really open to looking at yourself honestly and looking at your experience honestly, life is going to provide ample opportunity for you to do so, mm. you know. And by the same token, when you're really closed to to being in your truth, life is going to support that too generally, you know. And, and you'll be able to maintain your walls and you'll be able to stay shut down. But the moment you open up, like you're, you, you will see, and I think you've probably experienced this in your life, and I think listeners probably too. Like when you enter the world in a different space with more openness in your heart, like the world responds to you differently. Mm-hmm. And and I I've seen that time and time and again in my growth when I when I've said, oh, I want to work on this, but I wasn't really available to it. It's mm-hmm. very different than when I say, I want to work on this and I'm really available in life. It's like, okay, you're ready to work. Totally. Let's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's get to work. We're going to kick your ass a little bit now, you know? <laughs> and, but it's good when I yeah. say that. It's like, it's important. It's, it's like healing is hard work. Mm-hmm. Love is hard work. Mm-hmm. Growth is hard work. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I've had so many points in my life where I'm like, oh, I'd really like to start working on this. And then when the when the thing happens for me to work on it, sometimes I'm like, oh, but not like that. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> With conditions. No, what I want. I wanted this to be fun, and it's like, no. If yeah. you want it, that's really that's really the thing is that sometimes when we ask for that, it, we get this perfect like lump of resistance in order to work through on the other side to gain that strength for, you know, whatever's coming next or whatever we desire more of compassion, whatever that is. Um, and I love that you talked about conversations and writing. Cause those both have been huge for me and I know it's huge for a lot of people. Um, but conversations, right? Like you, you talk about it enough and somehow you like get spit out on the other side. It's like, it's like if a buoy is held down and all of a sudden you talk enough, it's like it just pops up and you're like, how did that happen? Like you yeah. get through. People access this part of you that maybe you wouldn't have accessed on your own for healing. Have you found that with just conversations? Absolutely. I mean, especially when the when the conversations, you know, are open and vulnerable. And I mean, one of the other things that happened to me in my 20s is I had that yearly meltdown cry, only Mm. it was lasting for days. And I thought I was losing my mind. And I was just crying and crying and crying about my parents. And I, I literally flipped open a phone book at the time of Yellow Pages and went to the, you know, psychoanalyst section and you know, closed my eyes and pointed a name and called this woman, this therapist, and went and saw her. And at the time, all I could afford was to see her for six weeks. But in those six weeks, all I did was talk to her about my parents. Mm. And I think what that showed me was I could talk about this and and it wasn't going to kill me. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that we're so afraid so often to deal with those scary things that we've experienced because we feel like we can't survive it. But what I write in the book too is like, but we can survive it. We've already survived it. Like, you know what, you just look at your life. You, you've survived whatever it is you think you can't, sur- couldn't have survived. If you're living and breathing in this moment, you're alive, you know? And, but I think then, so talking with that therapist opened me up to that possibility. And then, then, making my, you know, conversations with people you love and trust and your willingness to be vulnerable and open, it does a couple things beautifully. One is it helps you, 
you know, it helps you because it's all energy. When we're storing mm. all of this emotional stuff, mm-hmm. it just sits inside our bodies and it affects us emotionally. It affects us physically. It affects us in ways we can't even imagine. That's my experience because it's mm-hmm. all energy and it's all like this toxic gook that we don't want to look at. Mm-hmm. So conversations like writing is a way of releasing it. it. You know, it's getting it out of your system and there's a clearing that happens. And then beautifully what happens with vulnerable conversation is you give permission to other people in your life to share vulnerably. And when two people are sitting across from each other talking about, you know, their lives and sharing with openness and with compassion, for me, that's one of the most beautiful things we can experience Mm -hmm. with one another. I could not agree more. And I love that you even talked about having a therapist because if there is, I, I was thinking about the people who maybe say, you know, I don't have that circle right now. Like I have no idea who I would talk to about this or how I would even begin. And sometimes, like you said, like that energy, you can actually feel it, right? Like when you have something in your life that you're not looking at, you're not working through, you're not talking about, it feels stuck and you feel stuck mm-hmm. and your life is reflecting stuck. It's just, you feel heavy because energy wants to move through you. So even investing in a a therapist, even no matter how long you can do it for, or somebody that could just listen to you talk, listen to you talk. So that's, I love that you shared that. So moving that energy through, is there something else that you do in your life right now? Um, besides conversations, writing that would really, when you feel that energy coming up, help you move it through your life? Long walks. Mm. I'm moving my body. I mean, you know, look, writing is a great thing. Conversation is a great thing. Exercise or any sort of body movement, you know, like getting out into the world. For me, if I can take a walk in the trees, that is so therapeutic for me. Meditation is incredibly therapeutic for me. It's not something I do every day, but when I do it, it always serves me. And I think, you know, dancing my butt off around the apartment, you know, the house, whatever, what I want to. It's like, I think it's really incumbent upon people to figure out, I think, what what works for them. We all know, we all have the, you know, the innate understanding of what serves us. And for some, that might be a, a long bath you know, in hot water. For others, it might be a Zumba class. I don't know, you know, but it's it's about figuring out what helps you feel more still and less anxious, more peaceful, helps you work through stuff, and then actually following up that awareness with action and doing it, like making time for it in your life. Mm-hmm. And because that does a couple things. One, you get the in-the-moment um, effects of whatever it is you're doing, but also on an energetic level, what you're saying to yourself, anytime you show up for yourself with self-care, even if it's for five minutes, the pronouncement you're making to God, if you believe in God or to the trees, if you don't believe in God, you know, or to yourself is that you matter enough to take care of yourself in this way. And when you, when that's the energy you're putting out into the world that I matter, I am worthy, you know, I deserve my attention in self-care. I believe, and I've seen time and time again, like life responds to that energy. Mm. You know, if you believe energy attracts like energy, and I do believe that generally speaking, when you're taking care of yourself, I feel, when I'm taking care of myself, I feel more taken care of Mm -hmm. by the world around me. And conversely, when I'm abusing myself, I feel more beaten up by the world around me. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So what's something that you do right now that's big for your self-care emotionally besides meditation and walking do you do anything extra on top of that 
Well, there's a, I've, I've just been introduced in a different way to transformational breath work. And for anyone listening, are you familiar with this, Lori? Maybe, with, maybe. With, I'm not, I'm not sure. Look it up and okay. anyone listening, look it up because I, I can't believe the power that lives in our breath. Truly, truly, truly. And if you look up transfer, transformational breath work or I think holotropic breath work and it's just it's really... It's not like Kundalini, is it? Or no? You know, it probably is. I'm not too familiar with okay. Kundalini, but it's it's basically about... I did a couple... I, w- I was at this retreat recently and a, we did these hour-long breath sessions. And all it was, literally, you're just on your back with your eyes closed and for an hour, you're breathing in and out of your mouth but you're like taking in a lot of air, but not a hundred percent. And then you're exhaling, but not a hundred percent. And you're doing it in rapid succession. So you're never really getting your exhale totally out before you're starting your inhale. Okay. And you will, you, you get really high. And you get, you, <laughs> okay. You, I have you, done it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You trip out. Like yes. You start to kind of see things and visualize things and you and what I did when the first session we did I ended up sobbing Mm. like sobbing sobbing uncontrollably and it was so incredible and powerful because again when we're crying out that's a form of purging all those Mm -hmm. emotions that are inside and um so I'm I'm that was newly introduced to me and I uh I'm playing with that now and I really like that a lot Mm. and yoga you know I've been I've been a little more disciplined about yoga lately which always you know, always serves me when I'm doing the yoga thing. Mm, I love, okay. So breath work. Yes. That was, I had an amazing experience doing it as well. Um, you did I'm not consistent with it. Yes. I I'm almost like, okay, maybe I won't share it. Cause it was so trippy. I was just like, I know. Whoa! <laughs> <sound> crazy. I <laughs> know. Like, yes. <laughs> um, but I had some really transformational moments in it. Yes. With just visualizations of things that I saw in my life that were a little too, um, they were just a little too spot on to not be accessing a different part of your, yourself when you do it, that yeah, I was like, yeah. okay, this is very, very powerful. So how often are you doing that? Cause it, it takes work, right? That's why I haven't really returned to it much. It I'm does like, take oh, work. It's, it's tiring, you know, I mean, but I just got back from this retreat like 10 days ago. It was an, it, the retreat was, um, in Costa Rica at a place called Rhythmia and it was a plant medicine was also one of the focuses of the retreat. And it was really one of the most powerful weeks of my life. You know, I feel like I came away from it changed, honestly, like more centered in who I am, clear about who I am. And so that was when we were doing the breath work. So I've only been home 10 days and I would say, I've probably had three or four sessions. I didn't do it for an hour, yeah. um, but three or four sessions at home. And it, it, it really, it's amazing. The, like you feel in your body this stirring of energy that is moving through your body. And it's, it's indescribable, honestly. You have to just try it. If you're listening, just try it. Mm-hmm. You know, give yourself five to ten minutes of, of breath work. And, mm-hmm. and, and it makes sense because if you look at any any of the healing modalities, like anything, breath is such a critical part of everything. And we know that obviously we're breathing to survive and live, but breathing in a conscious way and and using your breath to unlock some of those buried pockets of emotion and pain and darkness and whatever else, um, it's an incredibly powerful tool and it's free and you can do it anywhere, anytime. 
Ooh, I love that we we got to um, hear about that part for you because I love giving people tools and I haven't talked much about it. And, you know, when I was just at a, well, not just, it was like last spring, but I was at a Tony Robbins event and I like to, I've been to that event a couple times, but he does this, um, he does like breath work before his meditation every morning and he shared it with us. So it's like just breathing in through your nose really fast and out through your mouth. And it does like before your meditation, you do... I feel like you can access that peaceful part of yourself faster. It's almost like it, it kind of just completely clears everything that you were thinking and the energy that you were feeling. So it's, it is like a total state change. It's beautiful. It is. I tell I tell you, there was a moment in it at this retreat when I saw more clearly than ever, I saw my soul mm. and it was this just like beautiful blinking white light inside me and it was so peaceful and so still and it was like it was it was one of the most beautiful moments of my life and it was it would just happen through breath yeah Mm -hmm. yeah for me it was like peace honestly it was just like yes the most peaceful I have ever felt like so relaxed just floating yes just like oh this is what it's supposed to be like (laughs) yes I know and isn't it funny that we're still resistant to just making it a part of our everyday you know what I mean (laughs) I'm I'm talking about how magical it was and I'm like yeah I I might not do that today so (laughs) me too I've I've been like I don't feel like breathing today (laughs) okay but you're really reminding me right now so I'm gonna okay we're gonna I'm gonna be intentional with it because it was that powerful so I'm so glad I got to chat with you about it and and since you just went to your retreat and that's like something that just happened and it's probably been so transformative what are some things um that really shifted for you there outside of the breath work that maybe gave you new perspective did you take anything home that was like your like a wow moment that you're going to carry with you moving forward yes no there there you know, I, I took a lot home, and I think some of it I don't even know that I could put words to, but one of the big realizations I had there, which was incredibly powerful and in some ways incredibly obvious, though I've never really recognized it, was seeing, you know, my when when my dad was alive, I, I didn't like my dad growing up. We had no relationship, and I didn't get any attention from him. So I felt I felt really unloved and really unseen by him. And what I was shown at this retreat was just how much that has dictated so much of my life. Like basically, mm. I was I, I saw how needy I can be to be liked and how desperate I can be to be seen and adored and all of these things that I knew I had in me on some level, because I think we all have we all have it in us on some level. But mm-hmm. I was it it was really so clearly taken back to my desperation as a kid to be seen and loved by my dad and never getting that and never getting any validation from him. And, and it, and because I made that connection and because I I was able to see in my life today and in the way I'm showing up in my relationship with my partner in moments and on my Facebook page and in my writing and in, in my friendships, I was shown places where I'm not really in my truth. I'm actually showing up in a more, in a needy way. Mm. And, in, in, and, and it, it was like freedom. I don't know how else to explain it. It was like, I have so much more awareness about how I'm showing up in the world that I can choose to show up differently because I have that awareness in a much more deeper way, I feel, than I had it before. 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it feels so powerful. And that's that's the thing about, you know, we can't heal what we refuse to acknowledge. And uh-huh. the more effort and awareness we bring to how we're showing up in the world and why, you know, what is triggering us. And rather than pointing fingers and blaming, like, why are we getting triggered? What is going on for me in this moment that I am offended by something someone is saying or doing, or that my feelings are hurt by something someone is saying or doing? Like, what is happening for me? And unless we're, I find, unless we're willing to like turn that mirror around and look at like what's really happening inside me, that's where all the healing is. The healing isn't in how can I change this other person and how can I make it, you know what I mean? That's not where our healing happens. Um, But when we're willing to turn that mirror and really take responsibility for how we're showing up in the world, the the possibilities for growth are endless. Wow. So I find that so often, just when you were talking, I was just thinking about all of the times that I've been able to either let something go or move past something. It's always been looking deeper into how I'm being because it just, no matter how much we're like, no, it's this person. They drive me insane if they really are like crazy or they're this way or whatever. And it's like, the more that I think that they're a certain way, it just, it gets worse. It's like the more I focus on that or it's always turning it back. And really, just like you said, why is this bothering me? Like what part of me is this hitting on? Or what is, what is this desire to hold on to this thing that's driving me nuts or whatever it is? So what was the moment for you? Were you doing, were you doing an exercise? Was it something that you were working through that you really got to see, um, what to let go of, or was it a meditation? What was the moment? Yeah. I mean, it was a plant medicine ceremony, Okay. you know? And so, which those, I don't know if you have any experience with any of the plant medicines, but they're very, can be very powerful and very, um, very eye-opening and very uncomfortable. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it it like shows you, you know, some clarity about yourself, but Mm -hmm. in a, in a, in a very kind of in your face, like, whoa, this is an easy to see way. And that was my experience that night, but it was, um, it was fantastic. You know, I, I really welcome, I, I, I welcome learning more about myself. You know, I think there's, that's the hard work of being here and, uh, it's important work, you know, but also I discovered things through breath work again, coming back to breath work. You know, I think people discover things through meditation. I discover things through writing all the time. There's so many avenues for people to work with in terms of um, self-discovery. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if again, if they're open to it, finding good podcasts, hello, like mm-hmm. this, and, and good books mm-hmm. and, you know, good videos and good TED Talks or whatever it is, there are so many resources out there right now mm-hmm. to help us along on, on our path. Oh, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That, that's it. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, you know, all of these different modalities that we have, it really is um, when we go into something and I know that leading up to your retreat, it was like you, I'm sure you were so intentional with, you know, I have some things that I want to deal with, or I have some things that I want to let go of. And again, it's what you've been saying through this whole thing is showing up to whatever that modality is. I really believe the modality has so much power, no matter what you choose, um, because of the intention that you're showing up with, right? You show up to the intention of writing with, I want to work through something. You're going to write through it no matter what, you know, you show up to a meditation and maybe those first few meditations are nada, but <laughs> like nothing. Right. 
But if you keep holding that intention, um, but so this is what I want to ask you. So we can show up with all of this intention and sometimes it can be the gripping intention where you're like, where's my answer? Where's my answer? Why am I not getting an answer? What's going on? So how do we show up with like an open intention? Do you know what I'm trying to ask? I do. I mean, I, I, I would say that's for each person to figure out because if you show up with that gripping intention, very often you're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. And so when you start, I think it's about recognize, I love, first of all, I love that you're talking about intention because I believe so deeply in intention. And I believe that we, we have the power to create our lives in a completely different way when we live them intentionally, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it's all energy. Everything is energy. And so if our energy, when we're starting the day, you know, a lot of times I'll do Facebook live videos on Sunday night. And I try to remind people rather than just getting swallowed into the avalanche of a new week or in a work week for many people, why not? Let's start this week with some intention. Let's consider how we want to approach this week, how we want to enter into this week, the things we'd like, you know, our week to be about instead of it all of a sudden being Wednesday, you've given no thought and you're feeling like you're drowning in another crazy week. You know, intention matters. At the same time, we don't have control of everything. And that's just a lesson we, we learn in life. And in the other, you know, the other beautiful, I guess, gift that I found in especially, I mean, for a long time, but especially in these last years, is the power of acceptance, you know, the power of flexibility, the power of recognizing a couple things that we can be clear in our intentions, and we're always going to be served by being clear in our intentions. But that doesn't always mean we're going to get what we want. And it certainly doesn't mean that we're going to get what we want in the way that we wanted to receive it. You know, that's not how life works. So can we bring to the moment flexibility? Can we bring an understanding that life is like a river flowing, you know, it's winds in it. And like the more we're like a river, the more we're able to wind and move and shift and flow, the better chance we have of living more peacefully. You know, but I, I really challenge people to approach their life more intentionally and see, I, I would be willing to bet 100% that they're going to see a shift in, in their lives, mm. you know, from that living. Mm. And if you can bring more acceptance to, to life as it is, you know, because I found that when I try to change things in my life from this place of resistance with my fists clenched and I'm fighting against the reality of what is, I'm putting so much energy into the fight that it doesn't leave me with the energy to create something new. But when I recognize, okay, things in my life aren't going as I'd hoped, there are certain things I really want to shift, I can accept this, and then can I move forward with that acceptance with more energy to create the types of changes that I want to create for myself? It's a very different way of approaching change. Mm, That's really powerful. So for, I want to go back a little bit um, to relationships because uh, I think that's going to really strike a chord with people as far as just um, combining intention with how we're showing up in relationships as well. So you were talking about, you know, in your relationships that you were showing up, 
um, needy in certain areas. And for some people, you know, that's just insert your emotion <laughs> of whatever that is. Right, right. It's going to be the same thing. So when you notice that you want to go back to that, you know, cause it can feel like an addiction at first. It can feel like a crutch. It can feel like our default response, um, because we've just done it our whole lives. So when you notice in your relationship, because it's probably, you know, your partner's probably such a mirror for you if you're with them every day. Um, what is something that you do when you feel that neediness come back up, when you want to rely on it, when it's a crutch, when you're like, no, if I don't do this, something's not going to go the way that I want. So what do you say in your head and what intention now do you hold when you, um, show up in that relationship? Well, you know, I haven't talked too much about it, I guess, but my, the core of my, existence in my belief is love. Mm-hmm. So I I believe love is the base note for everything mm-hmm. that I want to be a, a, about in my life. So the question I ask myself repeatedly in all sorts of instances, including if I'm showing up in a way other than how I would want to show up in my relationship, maybe I'm being needy, maybe I'm being really impatient and snappy, maybe I'm being judgmental, maybe I'm being blameful, mm-hmm. you know, all of these different ways we show up with our partners or with our close friends and family. The question I'm, I, I ask myself often is, you know, what does love invite me to do in this moment? Mm-hmm. And when I when I ask myself that question, it, it it pulls me out of whatever drama my mind is creating about what's going on, and it reconnects me to love. So love is always inviting me, one, to be kind, two, to be compassionate, three, to be forgiving, you know, four, to be self-loving. And so much of neediness in that desperation that's lack of self-love. That's all it is. Because when we are, when we are loving ourselves, we are, and when we recognize that we are so worthy and so enough, exactly as we are, and that there's nothing we need to do differently to be any more worthy than we are in this moment, when we really understand that, we don't need anything from anybody else. We can come to every interaction, every connection with freedom. Now that's not easy to do. <laughs> Of course, I'm not. I don't want to pretend that that's how I'm showing up all the time. But the question is like, what is love inviting me to do right now? It it centers me in in my love for myself and for the other person, and it invites me to show up differently. If if what I was going to do was like rage at the person with anger, you know, asking that question at the very least what it might invite me to do is just detach from the situation. It's like, Scott, you have nothing else to offer this moment, but your own anger and vitriol, and that's not going to help anything. Mm -hmm. So go to your corner, go to your room and shut the door. And just until you're able to show up with a bit more empathy and a bit more compassion, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's, I think it's awareness and it's practice. Mm -hmm. And I look, I, if, if I put my partner on the line with you right now, he'll tell you how often I can be an ass and a jerk and impatient and all of these different things, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like everyone else, just a work in progress and mm. in, in reconnecting to love as often as I can. Mm. I love that you share that because it's so that is life, right? I think so many people can look at people who have 
written books or who have podcasts or who, who are speakers or who are in the light for sharing all of these different things. And I really believe that we're good at sharing them because we need them the most. And yeah. it's just, it's so freeing to know that, you know, I think one of the things that used to hold me back is the belief that we were supposed to be happy all the time and that we weren't, you know, once we became like enlightened or smart enough or went to enough courses that it would, life would just feel um, less painful and it wouldn't, you wouldn't be sad. And it's like, it actually freed me more to know that you just learn more tools. You just are able to switch it a bit quicker. You just practice over and over and over. And then sometimes when you practice and you get way better, there are those areas still that there's new parts of life coming at you. So you get to be a beginner all over again, all the time. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought up happiness. I wrote a whole chapter in the book about happiness because especially people who are on some sort of personal development path or conscious spiritual path, there's this message that's hammered into us that happiness is a choice and just choose happiness. And we get, you know, so the the information we're being given is that if we're not happy, it's our own fault because we're not choosing it and that we can just choose happiness out of the sky at any given time. And so what that did for me when I was feeling down is one, I'm already feeling down, you know, and, and then I'm also feeling like a failure. Like I'm supposed to be this spiritually conscious person, but I can't figure out how to just choose happiness. You know, my heart was just broken. How am I going to choose happiness? I was just fired from my job. How am I going to choose happiness? Or I just yeah. woke up in a crappy mood. You know what I mean? And so so what I what I like to remind people, one, is that's nonsense. Happiness is not a choice. It's a feeling, and we don't choose our feelings. You know, that's not how feelings work. At the same time, we absolutely can can make choices that stand to serve our happiness. You know, we, we can figure out, like I was saying, long walks work for me. I know that when I make time to take a walk, there's a very decent chance that that's going to contribute to my happiness. Mm -hmm. So I can't choose the emotion, but I can choose the action that leads to the emotion. And that's a very different thing that empowers us to make positive choices in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, and it also, like you said, it frees us from this feeling or this obligation that we have to be happy all all the time. Nobody's happy all the time. And, and there are beautiful gifts in the other emotions, you know, without sadness is a home for compassion. Without sadness, I would not be as compassionate as I am today. And that's a huge, huge gift to have gone through, to have grieved and to have lost and to have cried and to have felt sadness. That's when we can show up for people in a completely different way, you know? Mm. Uh, and as I'm thinking, um, just about how you're talking about, you know, pain and realizing sadness is a part of life and all of these different things, the less resistant I became to it, the faster it could move through. Did you find that? Yes. A thousand percent of the time. Mm -hmm. And when we're running, you know, we live, our, our world is so addicted and, and we are all running to numb ourselves and escape from feeling the harder emotions. And whenever we're putting our energy toward avoiding feeling, we're giving all of our energy to that feeling. If we're putting our, if we're putting, <laughs> if we're trying to avoid feeling sad, all of our energy is going to that sadness in the avoidance and in wow. the numbing. But just like you said, when you just allow yourself to sit in it, emotions move through you. That's how they're designed. They move through you, you know, and, but you've got to be able to, you have to feel them or they're not going to move through you. They're just going to sit in you, you know, until you're willing to feel them. Uh, so I just wrote a book as well, but I love asking people, especially who just wrote a book, because I want to know why, 
why this book? What was the idea? How did it come to you? And I know that we talked so much about it, but what was the moment where you're like, this has to be the message for people? Because it comes through you, right? Well, I think the moment about recognizing that my love is my mess, my main message for people. That's, that's been coming for a long time, but it was about five years ago that I started this Facebook page Mm. and I started, you know, writing about the things that meant a lot to me, like love and compassion and facing your fears and, you know, sharing my story and the page started to grow. And I realized there's really an audience for this type of, of writing and this type of work Mm. and conversation. And so I mean, I, I, I knew also that, you know, I, I was, I would write these posts on Facebook that would be for Facebook long posts, but, you know, maybe they'd be several paragraphs and it, it just, for me, I thought, you know what, there, I want to, I want to expand on these. I want to take them deeper. And the way to do that was to write a book. And I also wanted to reach people who not everyone's on social media, not everyone's on Facebook. And I also wanted to have, I wanted a book because I want to do more speaking. And I understood that, you know, a book uh, provides a certain cachet and, you know, you're, you're likely to maybe get into places as a speaker more if you have a book. So for many different reasons, but as far as the message of, of love, I mean, I write, I write and talk a lot about love and a lot about authenticity, like really showing up honestly in your truth and whatever that looks like and however that is for you. Um, those are enduring messages and I believe that they're so important. They're, they're, they've always been. And I believe that in this world today, um, especially so, cause I think that a lot of the anger and rage and violence we see in the world, for me, I trace it back in part to people not feeling free to be who they really are. Mm. And when we're not free to be who they, who we really are, we build up so much resentment inside. We're like these pressure cookers of resentment. And that kind of resentment just turns into rage. And that kind of rage, you know, is expressed in violence and in vitriol and everyone yelling at each other and no one listening to each other and being empathetic with one another. And conversely, you know, the people who inspire me the most are the people who are showing up to their lives and they're like, this is who I am. You know, and this this is how this is how I look moving through the world in an honest way. And whether they're writers or speakers or teachers or janitors or whomever, when you see somebody and you feel that they are in their truth, there's nothing that moves me like that. You know, and when and except for when they're in their truth, and then they're also just aligned with love. You know, which which typically happens when you're living your truth. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautiful. So what about you? Like, what was your moment when you realized this is the book I have to write? And Oh, there were like so many just like you there. I mean, it's been coming through for years and years. Um, my book is on tribe. So um, it's just, you know, I come, came from which we kind of like have something in common. Do you live in Michigan? I do. Okay, I'm from Upper Michigan, Marquette, Michigan, which is so oh my funny. oh, you're from way up up north. Yeah, wow, where are you that's at? Wild. I'm in the Detroit area now. I just moved back to Michigan. I grew up here. I went to college in Ann Arbor, then left for my adult life to California and New York, and now I just moved back to Michigan oh, this year. Oh, crazy! Well, I'm in Santa and, Monica yeah. now. 
Ah, nice. Beautiful. (laughs) Um, And I was raised in a really um, strict religion. And it was, you know, when I decided not to be a part of it anymore, just for certain reasons, I... Um, you know, that was my tribe. I didn't have anyone outside of it because yeah. we weren't allowed to hang out with anyone outside of my religion. So for me, it was, it, it just, I tried to muscle and do everything alone because just like you, I had built those w- walls. Like I just thought that, um, you know, it, I was better off alone. So now I realized just having tribe and things like that. So it came through in such a big way, um, with the book. So that was my, just, a, I had a moment like in a meditation actually, where it was just like, this is it. But you know, a thousand meditations before that, I didn't have that experience. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so right. I love that we're talking about that. And I want to talk about your Facebook experience quick, just because I think that, you know, obviously you were doing a lot of therapeutic writing for yourself on th- Facebook. I can only imagine what came through just from you also being able to use that message as a way to inspire others, but also a beautiful way for you to get through and move that energy through. And you found that other people are dealing with that, but what stops people and we know this, and I know you talk a lot about it is fear of sharing. Yes. So tell me about those first times of sharing and what that looks like and what's on the other side, because I really believe people just aren't sharing because they don't have those people in their life who may support them or they're so afraid of judgment and what that's going to look and feel like. So let's, let's dig into that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I started my Facebook page, it was really just to be like a Pollyanna paradise. It was going to be so positive and everything I was posting was just like, the sun is beautiful and shining and you're lovely. You know what I mean? Like that was the energy with the intention of that of people, if they saw my post, they'd be given this little jolt of sunshine and could move on in their day. Mm. And at one point, a, um, a woman left a comment under one of my posts and her comment, I don't remember the post, but the comment was, you know, Scott, not everyone's as happy as you are all the time. Some of us are really hurting and struggling out here. Mm. And it was like this knife to my gut because for two reasons. One, I was like, wait a minute, I'm struggling plenty. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm hurting and struggling too. But more than that, I felt like I, I had created the page with the intention of, of, serving people positively. And my posts had actually provoked a very different response in this woman. And though I know we can't own people's responses to us, you know, I don't take responsibility for how someone's receiving my words or actions. It was still, it was a wake up call. And I was like, well, how would she know anything more about me? Because all I've shown this page in this community is happy, happy, go lucky, Scott. And it inspired me to share more of myself. And I started to share, you know, about losing my parents. And I, 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 my brother died from a heroin overdose. And I talked about the shame I felt growing up gay. And I talked about all of these really personal things about myself. And the whole energy of my page changed mm-hmm. profoundly. And the, any, any of the posts where I was sharing more of my struggle were always the posts that got the most engagement and so many people would respond with me too. And thank you so much for sharing this. You know, it helps me feel less alone. And, and so to your, to, you know, you want to talk about sharing. I've learned over and over again through my page. It's like, there's the beauty of sharing, not just our joys and not just our beautiful meals and not just our lovely vacations. So I think that's all fine. If we want to share those things, it's like, the beauty of sharing the hardships and the struggles and the and our idiosyncrasies and our insecurities is that 
we give people permission to do the same and we, we, we create a space for people where they're able to say me too and they're able to recognize their struggles in our struggles and they feel less alone. And I can't tell you how many people have written to me just to say, you make me feel less alone. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. And and I feel so much less alone in my sharing because of the way people are responding. And, I, and you know, this life is difficult. It's not easy to be a human being, no matter if you're rich or poor or whatever, wherever you live. It's like the this world is a is an often dark and unpredictable and scary place. And our human minds are crazy, like crazy. Mm-hmm. So nobody <laughs> is having, you know, nobody's having an easy time of life. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that when I'm in my, when I'm feeling my darkest, when I'm in my greatest pain and I feel like, it's, you know, it's not going to end and I don't really feel inclined to reach out to people knowing that remembering that I'm not alone in this, that, that everybody, you know, so many other people are experiencing this or their own version of this. It's comforting. It helps me. It helps me to move through what I'm going through, knowing that I'm not the only person on the planet going through it, you know, and, and, and Facebook, especially, has, you know, social media in general, but Facebook especially has been a really positive outlet for that kind of connection with people. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. And it is so powerful. And I think people just need to see more of that. So where can people find you and follow you and find your amazing Facebook page and your incredible book? Oh, thank you. Um, well, Facebook, if you just, if you search for Scott Stabile, you'll find my page there. Um, and then I have a website, which is scottstabile.com. It's scott, S-T-A-B-I-L-E.com. And then my book is Big Love, The Power of Living with a Wide Open Heart. And you can find that on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, in bookstores. You know, it, it should be pretty easy to find. Mm. Um, yeah, so mm. find me on Facebook, though. I do a lot of live videos, too, and they're always really fun and connected and there's something about that energy of tuning in live in the moment and you know people from all over the world it's really really cool mm, I, I literally love facebook lives they're just so i know you find, they're like, awesome. those authentic amazing people it's just you can feel yeah. the energy right so you really get to, yes um you really get to vibe with those people it helps elevate so thank you so much i just want to acknowledge you uh for all of the work that you're doing in the world and just how you show up and i so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and just how open and honest and just uh, just how willing to share so that other people can create a breakthrough for themselves so I just want to say thank you so much oh you are so welcome and thank you for having me on your beautiful show and thank you for the work you're doing for for yourself and for all of us Mm, and Scott I always end on one last question it is, if you were in an elevator with someone, it's a total stranger, it's only like 30 second elevator ride, and they look over at you and they say, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Uh, well, the first thing that came to mind, I, two sentences came to mind. The first was go within, and the second was go to love. Mm. You know, the more centered we are in love, the the happier we'll become. I have no doubt about it. Mm. You know, love is a key to joy. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone.
Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.